Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev, episode number 94. Chris, each February, the Respiratory Health Association of Metropolitan Chicago hosts Hustle Up the Hancock. What is this event, and how does it relate to today's episode number? I, I don't know, but it, that sounds like the start of an NPR like bit or something. You know? <laughs> like, this is going to go on my reel for uh, my audition for NPR. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you want to take a I guess? No hustle, uh, hustle Up the Hancock. What, what could that possibly be? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's correct. It is a race up the 94 floors of the John Hancock Center um, in Chicago. Uh, and each year it raises more than $1 million for lung cancer. Uh, no, not cancer. Just lung disease. Lung disease research and programs. All right. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. 94. This episode is not sponsored by any of that. I just thought it was a cool fact for the number 94. <laughs> uh, you're a Googler. This is your second yep. day is a Googler. Yeah. Uh, I have so many questions, and I understand that you work for Google now, and so you probably can't tell me all of Larry Page's secret habits and like what Google's strategy <laughs> is for, uh, you know, taking over the world. Uh, but I would love to know as much as you can tell me. Uh, what what can you tell me? What's okay to share? Uh, what's not okay to share? Yeah. So uh, generally, I can share or I can talk about anything that's public knowledge, right? So anything that's been released or, or whatever, um, although that's not super interesting, I guess. Um, I can also talk about like how I'm feeling and, and all, you know, like that type of stuff and, you know, general day in the life kind of things. Um, but I won't uh, talk about anything, you know, internal or uh, anything that might get me in trouble, basically. <laughs> so, okay. uh, yeah, you, you can ask, but I just might, you know, evade or, or something like that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would love to ask. To be clear, I don't know anything yet, but <laughs> as, <laughs> as I get going, <laughs> yeah, exactly. As I get going, yeah, I can't talk about any, you know, obviously ongoing projects or anything. So, yeah, they're going to be like, this guy has a podcast. Let's let's feed him some fake information and just see <laughs> what, what he does with it. Right. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'd love to know about how you're feeling and uh, the publicly available stuff and what your day to day is looking like between these two days, literally day to day, one day to another day uh how are you feeling overall how's this going yeah i mean so far so good like you know it as you would expect joining a big company there's a lot of administrative stuff you have to do to get onboarded um mm -hmm. so yeah in the middle of that and uh yeah there's uh this is a big shift from being independent uh, obviously um like we experienced uh uh yesterday we were gonna chat for a minute or something oh no we were going to do the podcast yesterday and then uh people can just put stuff on your calendar now <laughs> put, put stuff on my calendar now um that's a thing so um you, i think we talked about this before but you get a little a little bit of buyer's remorse whenever something even something really good happens mm. and so yesterday when that happened i was like oh yeah this is going to be a thing now <laughs> like yeah yeah i'm going to be in a lot more <laughs> meetings um but overall i feel really good and uh, everyone's been super super nice and friendly and uh yeah i the, the buyer's remorse in any situation is that resonates with me that's related to the adage for me of the grass is always greener or like yeah uh you know oh there's this there's the story of a of a farmer i may have told this on this podcast before but i'm gonna go through it anyway uh, the the farmer uh has uh you know he, he his horse runs away and the, the village people come by and they're like, oh, that sucks that your horse ran away. That, that I'm really sorry. And he's like, we'll see. And the next day, the horse comes back with a wild stampede of horses. So now the farmer is the richest person in the village because he has so many horses. And all the village people come by the farmer and like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. That's incredible. How fortunate. And he's like, well, we'll see. 
And then the next day, while his son is training one of these stallions and breaking it in, the horse uh, stamps on his only son's leg and breaks it. And the village people come by and they're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Your, your son's you know, probably never going to walk again or he's, he's going to be a cripple. And the farmer's like, well, we'll see. And the next day, the military comes by to enlist every able-bodied uh, young man. And his son is, is exempt because he just broke his leg. Uh, and the village people come by after losing their sons. They're like, oh my gosh, you're so fortunate, actually. This was so great. And the farmer just replies like, we'll see. Uh, there's a there's an excellent musical about this too called If Then, that originally starring Adina Menzel, who was the voice of, uh, uh, oh, in Frozen, uh, Elsa, the voice of Elsa in Frozen, um, and has been in a bunch of Broadway stuff also. And in the show, there's this single choice that seems inconsequential in the moment where she's just choosing between which of her two friends to go to lunch with. Uh, one of them's going to this side of town and the other one's going to this other side. And from that moment, the show splits. And now you're seeing two different shows in parallel of what her life looks like if she chose to go with the first friend and what her life looks like if she chose to go with her second friend. And immediately becomes apparent that like, oh man, her life is so much better having gone with the first friend. And this sucks in this alternate universe that, that she chose not to do it. And then a little while later, later it flips. And the, the second friend... Uh, reality has a way better life and then it flips again and it, it does that like three more times in the show it illustrates for me this beautiful point that like you don't know like it's the the life is is uh strange and complicated and uh unpredictable and uh there there are pros and cons to any choice and depending on what snapshot of life you're looking at and how you're evaluating it uh uh yeah, parts of it are better and worse, and I think there there is no ideal outcome. Uh, that was very long uh, <laughs> uh, tirade for uh, illustrating a, a relatively simple point uh, that I think you you expressed pretty well when you just said like the the virus remorse idea. But uh, yeah, so I think the I think that upside of this for you in your particular life uh, makes a lot of sense, and uh, I'm I'm happy for you and a little jealous of that big old fat Google paycheck you're gonna be getting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like sure. Yeah, Google has is a dream company for a lot of people, myself included. And so it's really neat that I'm that I get to be there now. Um, but yeah, who, who knows? Something like it, it may change my life for the worse. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, you never know. Um, the good news is, as tech people, I think we always have options. Like mm. uh, yeah, we can always start something new. We can always jump ship and do something else. Uh, we like there are always options. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had a thought that I wanted to ask you about. The uh, th this is a, a developer advocate role for mm -hmm. Google Photos. Yep. Um, most of your academic motivation has been in getting much better at machine learning stuff. I think this role will not include a lot of machine learning. What's how 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 might you reconcile those two things? Is uh, is machine learning going to continue being an academic interest, and eventually you'll you, you might pivot uh, roles at Google to be something that's more technical? Do you want the machine learning to be more of a uh, academic interest, and and maybe just preparing for future roles while continuing to have your day job be more of like a, a talking to people and uh, being in meetings and developer advocate and filming video type thing? How are you framing that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, part of it is, I don't know. Uh, some of it is also grass is greener stuff, right? Uh, we can apply the same things. Um, I think right now I'm really excited to see how this role uh, works out. I like a lot of the different you know, roles and responsibilities that it's going to involve. Um, I'm still very interested in the ML stuff. I'm still going to keep doing my machine learning uh, masters. Um, 
part of the reason that I did all the machine learning stuff was so that I could get better at Kaggle, which I can still do. Um, although uh, Kaggle is owned by Google, and so uh, per the rules of all the competitions, I can't win money anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can still get medals, <laughs> so I can get fake internet points, but I can't get money. <laughs> but that's okay. So I can still do Kaggle and get fake internet points. Um, uh, and uh, I also wanted to understand the generative stuff a lot better. Um, and that's all just per- personal stuff. Um, so and so my plan was always sort of to get better at machine learning stuff while doing like web development or whatever anyway Mm -hmm. and so i just replaced doing web development consulting with being a developer advocate which Mm -hmm. i'm also very interested in and so for now um yeah i'm just gonna you know dive deep into this developer relations stuff while also getting better at machine learning not necessarily for a career you know goal but to uh just get better at it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I also realized as I did more research about what ML and AI means in industry is that mm. in order to get the jobs that I really want, I need a lot more experience, maybe even a PhD at a lot of places. Wow. And I don't, and I don't want to do that. So yeah, a lot of the really cool research is requires PhD and stuff like that. Um, some of it doesn't, um, but yeah. And I know that I don't want to do that. So I am perfectly happy right now getting better at it for fake internet points and uh just personal interest yeah cool i think it's a great bet this is we talked about this i think when you were first getting your master's in this the machine learning is not going away this is a right this is the new paradigm of how every piece of software is going to be made um cool if nothing else like you'll be a valuable asset in a uh robot uprising <laughs> being able to like sure. exploit uh you know, <laughs> print out t-shirts that like trick the robots into thinking that you're not a target or something yeah uh with your general oh what, what was the technique the the poison poison image you could make a, that's t- right. a t-shirt that's a poison image that tricks the robots that, yeah that's right um also like google photos does have machine learning parts of it like you know any of the yeah, smart filtering or any of the auto tagging and stuff that's all you know machine uh, learning driven and so i may be able to interface some with that i, I don't actually don't know um mm. yet but so, so there are parts of the job that may you know cross machine learning mm-hmm. yeah i could see as a as a developer advocate having that deeper understanding of what's actually going on under the hood is going to be useful um yeah I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out um you mentioned not being able to win money in Kaggle, uh, you have that five thousand dollar thing coming up. Is that is that still safe? Because that was before Google. <laughs> I, I checked, and it's still okay. safe <laughs> okay. uh, because the composition ended before I joined. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't have the five grand yet. Uh, I'm getting it as soon as we. So uh, I talked about this. I think the winners all have winner obligations. One of it, one of the things, is to open source the code, which I did, and then the next is to be part of a presentation with the um the runners of the competition they want to know you know how you did what you did and usually it's like here's the model i built and here's how you can use it this competition is really different it was like you know here's how i did some of the challenges and here's what i thought went well and you know maybe you could improve next year uh Mm -hmm. you know in the competition so that kind of thing so that should be happening this week i think and uh then i'll get paid yeah all right I think that'll be fun. You just get to flaunt how smart you are and how you solved all the problems. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a group call, right? It's with everyone else who. It is, yeah. It's a panel call with the five winners, so uh, should be neat. Because I mean, they like I can see all their code because they they released it, so I can see how they did it. But it mm. should it'll be neat, you know, hearing them talk about what they did. Also, yeah. Have you dug into any of their code and found anything you were surprised by? I, I read well. 
it was kind of interesting. Some of the some of the challenges, like there's basically one way to solve it, and so and that was very obvious. Some of the other challenges, like you know, everyone did it differently and and sometimes very differently. And so yeah, it was kind of interesting to read through all their their um, uh, solutions. Yeah, cool. For I don't know how much of this you can talk about, but it's something I'm curious about. What does what does onboarding at Google look like? Is it is it like useful stuff? Are they showing you like ah, if, if you want to book time on someone else's calendar, here's how you do that. And like, uh, don't be evil, and here's what evil means. <laughs> what? Uh, or is it just standard onboarding for a company? I've never had a real job. I'm, I'm genuinely curious about this. Like, what what does that first day, what does the first week look yeah, like? Yeah, I, I was going to say, think about any job that you started, but you haven't started any. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know how much I can talk about, but I, you know, I would say they're a big company, so there's a lot of you know internal tools and processes and stuff. So you have to learn about all of that somehow, um, and then you have to like pick your benefits and your 401k. So yeah, I mean, so far it's been a lot of like sort of routine stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think there's like Google specific onboarding stuff, um, which I'll experience, um, but I don't I don't know what that's like yet because I I haven't done it yet. So yeah. it's a question I'm very curious about of how you get a new employee to be a net gain of effort and money as quickly as possible. This is a question I was thinking about at the Rails SaaS conference that I just went to in uh, Los Angeles. There was a talk about hiring uh, Rails developers. And uh, I, I think I think for them, it, they sort of had this framing of like, hey, everybody in the Rails community, if we're not investing in uh, training new junior developers, this this ecosystem that we have of Rails development is going to dry up because senior developers come from junior developers, so we all got to be invested in, in bringing more people on. And they talked a little bit about the trade-off between like hiring an unpaid intern and investing more time and money, and probably not getting a lot of return, but you're still benefiting the the community versus hiring a junior developer who's cheaper, but it's going to need a little bit more handholding. But then you can train them in the way that you like to do things and your internal processes, and they can become a domain expert much quicker. Or a senior developer who's going to be much more expensive, but still needs to learn uh, more of the the domain knowledge and your style of doing things. And it has me just sort of noodling on this question of how like what 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 might my next hire be and how 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 should i be framing what my return on investment's going to look like and what the what the point is that they'll start uh uh that my time investment in them is getting me back more work than if i had just done the work myself um so i'm curious how someone like google does it if if they're fine with their investment in you being like you know six months before uh it's a it's a net positive because they're just operating at such a big scale or if they're trying to get you working as quickly as possible and uh yeah i'm i'm curious how that works yeah i think especially when you consider just big companies versus maybe you're a one-person company right or small companies in general with small companies it's way easier to just have someone jump in and just get started and like you know so if you hire someone you are the person they're going to ask all their questions to and you just get them started and they'll sort of learn you don't really have you know processes or like you know um uh what what am i trying to say like administrative overhead type stuff and so it's gonna be way faster to get someone onboarded um with big companies i think you know there's just a lot more internal things you have to you know worry about there's a lot more like have to like learn who to ask different questions to i have to you know learn what all the departments are and how to you know if i need to talk to hr how do i do that and if i need to talk to benefits how do i do that and Mm -hmm. whatever um so there's just a lot more like overhead, I think, for big companies, any big company. And so, I mean, for that reason, I think 
you know, the, uh, they can look at a much longer term or longer onboarding process and be okay with that versus mm-hmm. like you. I mean, I imagine if you hired someone, you'd try to get them productive the first day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's just a big company versus small company thing. You just made something make sense for me that I've struggled to understand in the past, which is uh, instead of firing people in big companies, I've heard that uh, companies just try to replace them. Mm. Like, you you know, within an organization, you need to find a, a new role. And that makes a lot more sense to me now because of the investment that you would have to make in getting them set up and being familiar with all the HR stuff and getting the bank accounts set up and knowing what all the internal processes are. And uh, if if you can save on the bulk of that onboarding by hiring someone who has already worked for Google or any other big company, uh, hiring them in a different part of the organization is going to be much lower friction than hiring a, a new person who may be a better fit for the role, but would be much harder to find and interview and screen and then get onboarded. That's a, that's a lot more friction. Um, that makes a lot more sense to me now. Yeah. Well, and like my interview process started in May or June or something. So like Mm. the team has waited four months or something for me to come on already. And then, well, but there's a hiring freeze. So that was a little abnormal. Right. But, um, and then now I have to get onboarded still. And so, yeah, like it's a long lead time. Whereas if there was someone internal who could just switch, like they could, you know, switch that week or something. I mean, they probably don't do that, but, yeah. um, you know, they could switch super fast and already be onboarded and, and up to speed. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who's been doing the work in this time? <laughs> is, this, is, <laughs> it, is the stuff you're doing just not getting done? Do you, no, you no, no. It's, it, it's been spread out. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. I see why everyone on this team wants you then, because that's going to, that's going to decrease their workload. Yep. They'll be able to focus so. more on other stuff. Okay. Cool. Anything else from this last week that you can talk about? Um, I thought I had something and then I forgot what I was going to say. So, no. Cool. <laughs> if it comes <laughs> did, up. Did I have something? <laughs> we talked about stuff I was going to talk about and I don't think I, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think those are all my notes. Yeah. The fact that people can put stuff on your calendar now is kind of funny. That's, uh, I think one of them you said you you got like five minutes notice before the event. Well, no, it was more like, hey, this thing's happening. If you want to join, you can, but don't worry about it if you don't, if you're busy okay. or whatever. So it, yeah, it wasn't like a, you have to attend this meeting. It's like, hey, this thing is happening. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That would look kind of bad on your first day if you were like, oh, actually I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I have uh, three main things I'd like to talk to you about and uh, two smaller things. The first thing, uh, I've only gone without co-working for a day and we've we've gone through bigger gaps in the past but uh i'm feeling it it's like i'm less <laughs> focused um you know just like oh yeah i can like you know make breakfast a little longer before getting and then i'm at my computer i'm like oh i can i can like check hacker news before i get and then it's like you know 11 a.m and i'm like okay yeah. what have i actually gotten done today uh but i did get a reasonable amount of stuff done yesterday i think even just in the process of doing co-working, I've, I've built up better habits. Uh, and an interesting observation that I had is that when I'm not tied to the system that we have together, which is usually working for 25 minutes and then taking about a five minute break, I work for much longer stretches at a time. I work mm-hmm. for like 45 to 50 minutes before I feel the natural need to take a break. And it was interesting because every single time, so I have like this automated timer system where I, I can start a palm and uh, then it starts playing my 
work music and then the work music stops and i know that that means that the the timer finished and uh i had the experience three separate times yesterday of starting that timer and then the timer goes off and i'm like oh, i'm kind of in the middle of something i'm just gonna wrap it up real quick it'll probably be another five minutes and then i turn the music back on without a timer and i just keep working and then I feel like, ah, this is a natural stopping point. I'd like to take a break. And so I turned it off and looked at how much time it was. And it was 45 minutes. And it was 45 minutes for two more times. It was like, <laughs> it was eerie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was interesting. Maybe maybe palms could be retimed to be uh, to be a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, I mean, that just might be your natural cadence, which is good to know. Yeah. Hmm. I also like 25 minutes. I think I think the important part of it for me is that I'm forcing myself to take breaks. Mm-hmm. I think I can get too hyper-focused into stuff and then I get burned out at the end of the day because I'm like, oh my God, I just worked for six hours straight and I haven't gotten up from the chair and I'm I'm hungry and thirsty and tired and <laughs> sore at the same time. And uh, that's, that's not a good combination. So yeah, yeah. I think the amount of time is something I'd like to experiment with now, now that I know that this is a model that works well. Uh, I do have... A recurring question for you which is how what what do you think this co-working situation is going to look like for you I, how is that looking right now i know it's yeah. early but um, it's, it's your second day <laughs> i don't i don't know is the answer okay. because yeah so i mean the i think until i get sort of settled into some routine i won't have a good idea of anything <laughs> so okay. i will i will keep you updated but right now yeah i have no idea all right yeah i'll, I'll keep limping along i'll Sorry. keep trying <laughs> I'll, you know what i should do i'll just <laughs> i'll just take some of our old podcast uh recordings of like your camera <laughs> and i'll just mute it <laughs> and i'll just put it in the corner <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it's a zoom call we, we, should, <laughs> yeah, we, we could we could record a uh, co-working session and then uh, you could just replay that all the time <laughs> just uh just keep it working that's funny you could sell that as a service too you know just yeah yeah yeah. fake or pre-recorded co-working sessions (laughs) that's good that's good (laughs) and then i'll just have a button where like after i tell you something (laughs) the recording of you just like huh that's cool have you thought about marketing or something (laughs) whatever uh whatever the canned responses are uh Yeah, yeah cool okay and then i have three main things to update you on to ask you questions on the first one it's file inbox in the last seven days i worked seven hours and 34 minutes which i'm pretty happy with um i'm slowly marching towards this goal that i thought was going to take me two months that's taken me a lot longer than two months of transitioning all of the rails users into uh this serverless architecture and i've started I've started this mode of just sort of mopping up everything that like I'm just walking through the app over and over and I'll notice a thing that is a a bookmark for a new feature that I haven't implemented and then I'll ask myself okay do I actually need this feature well no I don't need it to launch so let's just hide that bookmark so that people can't see it and yesterday I got a lot of that done and I think I'm looking at something like six medium-sized projects that I need to do before it's like done done one of those big ones is integrating billing making sure that paid users have the right paid access features that they need one of those is uploading notification emails and it was kind of fun doing it this way because I was reminded how much better this system is than the old one it's I, I think when I was just sort of linearly walking through setting higher level goals of like, okay, well, here's the 10 things I need to do and let's sort those by priority and just sort of dig in at the code. That felt a little more dejecting because I wasn't seeing more of the pieces of the app. So doing it this way, 
I like better and I can, I can have a lot more pieces going at the same time and, uh, have a much bigger sense of what the entire app is doing. Uh, that feels really good. And then in the process of doing that, like I'm touching other parts of the app and I realize, oh, it's kind of important for people to be able to delete a page. Let me do the delete, delete button really quick. Uh, and that's an easy feature. That's, uh, something that I need to be able to launch that then I do it in like 25 minutes and then it's done. And that feels really good. Uh, and then I've polished a few other things in the process of doing that. So yes, uh, I think I think my what I'd like to talk with you about here is the the rough timeline for that transition, and then what I'm doing after that, and what marketing can be done in the meantime. Uh, so my rough schedule for that is. I'm thinking it's gonna be like another like another two weeks. <laughs> That's gonna right. it's gonna haunt me for the next two episodes. But I think it's possible that I can launch this in two weeks uh, and like start the migration in mass of users uh, going over. And I have a call with Rachel about that today. She she should be like priming people to who, who want to be early adopters who want to be trying it out first. And that process feels pretty straightforward. I think there's going to be some bugs, but uh, a lot of those bugs I think have been ironed out by the two beta users that I have right now. Uh, so I might like onboard some people and then pause it while I mop up those bugs and then and then resume it. But that that part feels pretty straightforward. Um, what what marketing can I do while I'm doing that? And then after everybody switched over, what's the next thing I should work on with? both questions the goal being how do i raise mrr okay um do you have your metrics in place now can you like look at things i do and i can yes okay oh i don't know if we talked about that i looked at i looked at the metrics for how many paid users i got from that new google analytics or yeah, the so new you, google ads yeah thing you showed of, me that but we didn't talk okay. about it on the podcast yeah zero users i got i got zero paid users from that which which sort of makes sense like the, the sort of person sending a file my hypothesis in that was that the person they were sending the file to might be someone who wants to receive files and for them to do that right now they would need to land on the page where they're receiving files and then click a green button in the upper right hand corner that says receive files i think i could be selling that more on that page to try to increase that conversion number and then also i think there's room for a paid product for people sending files uh like we talked about and i think that would need to be much cheaper but that's Man, I was getting like a thousand new users a day with that Google ad that was costing me ten dollars a day. It right. sure seems like there's an opportunity to, to. I was talking with a friend about this, and and he was saying, uh, you know, what if you charge him like a dollar a month? Uh, even people in India like that. That's not a. I, <laughs> I'm showing my cultural bias here. I also have no framing of like what the the economic difference is between yeah. uh, India and, and the U.S. I'm pretty sure India is uh, significantly lower in terms of like individual pur purchasing power. Uh, but you know, if I'm if I'm charging people a dollar a month that would be a profitable thing. Uh, I, I would be spending less in ads and resources than I'm making from uh, those users. And assuming similar products any, are charging like $5 a month. Go ahead. Assuming anyone signed up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like the difference between $0 and a dollar is like really big. Yeah. Um, uh, it would be an interesting experiment. You could try it. That would be a marketing thing, I would say. Well, except it's going to require development and stuff. And so, but that's sort of a cheating marketing thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think there were more um, pages you wanted to write. Is that true? Like article things, comparison pages or something? Or did you do all those? I think I'm, I think I'm done with those for now. I would like to recheck that to-do list. Uh, and I have another call with Jonathan Zachs, my uh, 
unofficial SEO consultant SEO buddy uh, this week. Yeah. So he'll he'll be able to run through the stuff we talked about last time and and recommend more stuff to me. But it's it's a struggle for me because I don't know where the users are coming from. I even I have I have old Google eyes that are running that are uh, trying to advertise to people who are looking for file receiving pages, and I've been spending about a hundred dollars a month on those for like about I don't know three years, and I looked today at the metrics of like how many paid users I've gotten for that. And I think I've gotten two paid users from those campaigns, which in hurts. three years, the customer acquisition cost is uh, mm. very high. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I am struggling. I don't know. Yeah. MRR is going up, which is interesting. Uh, I, I think probably from SEO efforts. That's the only thing I can point to that I think would have changed recently. I would try to write more SEO things then, I guess. Um, come up with at least, you know, you can use our AI trick if you want, uh, which is you ask GPT-3 what uh, articles you could write about file sending, and it just gives you the titles maybe, you know, and then you write those. Um, uh, You could also do the, uh, if you get a good funnel of those, you could do the trick that we talk about often, which I don't think either either of us has done, which is write SEO content and then drive ads to the free SEO content. Mm. Um, Uh, I'm doing that actually. I'm doing that for the uh, Google Drive shared Google Drive uh, file request page. Okay. Uh, yeah. But that has terms sign- related to. That has handy signups. That's the only. So I think I think for both of the paid users that I got from the uh, Google Ads campaign from that, I think both of them came from that page. And, and that campaign. Yeah. Can you come up with ten more of those articles? Uh, or, or one more to go I with one more. I, I have other articles I could be sending people to that I could be like buying as like you know things like a like a we transfer alternative. Right. Uh, that's something I could be buying as too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be okay. Buy ads for more SEO landing pages. Yeah. So maybe that's like instead of spending a hundred bucks a month on one generic ad, can you spend twenty bucks a month on five very specific landing pages? Yeah. See if yeah. That I know that I have all the metrics in place to be able to measure what the return is. I'll be able to see very clearly. I'll, I'll be able to stem the bleeding of like, okay, the, the <laughs> right. you know maybe cut off ads to to this particular query and oh wow the WeTransfer alternative one actually is is doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, the, and, the other thing I would do based on my experience with Google Ads is make sure you look at the search queries and make sure it's high intent stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, I wasn't. haven't done that in a while for so the old yeah. ones. Uh, look at search intent for existing ads. Yeah, that's good. So there's a bunch of marketing stuff you can do. I like it. And then I like forming, I I like framing the file sending paid product as an experiment because that is, that that would be a a cheap and easy thing to do. I could just throw up a $5 a month plan. And I think on Stripe, I was, I was looking into this. I think you, you, Stripe has built in that you can charge people differently based on their uh, local currency. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm not sure how they do that, but I, I don't know. When you buy something with a credit card, does it show you? Maybe I do it based on geography. It shows oh. dollars, so it's probably geography. Yeah, it's probably IP address. Yeah, if it was based on IP address, that would make sense. I don't know. I don't know what level. Like, I think because I need to on the pricing page, I need to be able to tell them what the price is. Yeah. I don't know if there's a plugin for Stripe that Stripe tells you what the price is, or yeah. I don't know. Right, well, they they have. They've been. Are you using their checkout page, or are you doing it yourself? The checkout. Oh yeah, if I'm sending them to the checkout page for sure, Stripe no, and then I just won't tell them what the price is. I would like to be able to advertise the price before I send it to the checkout page, though. I'd like to be able to tell them how much it's, yeah, it's going to cost. I don't know. Look up the documentation. Yeah. Okay. That would be a really easy way to do it if I'm just sending them to the checkout page. And yeah, 
Okay, cool. Um, the other interesting experiment I just thought about was with ads is uh, when you described going to uh, Rail SaaS and describing your product as sending and receiving files yeah. in in a file inbox, <laughs> you might yeah. say, um, you got a lot of good response. Uh, you could drive ads to a send and receive files page and have a big button that says send and a big button that says receive yeah, yeah. and like see who clicks what and um, that'd be interesting. And then see what your ad cost is for that. I like that. I did, I think, have several signups, just like signups from yeah. the from the Google ad of people who wanted to receive files. So another thing I'm thinking about is like, am, am I just priced too high right now? I'm charging twenty nine ninety nine and uh, two forty nine a month, and I have exactly zero people on the two forty nine a month plan. Oh. So I'm wondering if I just like ratchet that down and have my highest plan at ninety nine, and then have a twenty nine plan, and then maybe have a five dollar a month plan that's the mostly file sending features yeah that's a that's a pretty big jump um so you could like keep your 249 one and do 29.99 and 249 or um, if you have zero people i guess you could lower it to 99 and then have a call us you know plan which if you have any enterprise type features that you want to separate out um you can do that Um, yeah i don't currently have a call us plan that's good oh you know what i really should be doing that i had i had like companies reached out to me that wanted me to do these security compliance things of like filtering files. Oh, yeah. they should for sure be on the on the call us plan oh yeah uh, yeah and that's they should they should be paying me 249 a month <laughs> or more if you have to do security compliance. yeah that's right yeah for sure you, you might need 249 a month in insurance just to comply with those things yeah, so, yeah yeah uh my understanding of it is that they just wanted me to do that my only responsibility was that i needed to implement for them file excuse me, file extension filtering mm. and fire scanning, which were two features I, I wanted to do anyway, but I'm doing it like for them. Like I'm, I bumped it up the queue for them. So yeah, I, I should be charging them uh, more for that. They should be on the call us plan. Okay. Yeah. When I reach out to them for a call, I'm going to, I'm going to upsell them on that. Uh, cool. Okay. That feels good. feels like several ways to draft that forward. Uh, because I work at Google now, so I get uh, information about Firebase and stuff. Hello, yeah. and welcome back. Hello, and welcome back. I, uh, Chris got raptured. <laughs> I got raptured. <laughs> I, uh, I think sometimes when Chrome takes up a lot of RAM, it freezes, which is what happened until it memory collects. Uh, mm. For It does that for me sometimes, but then my computer just restarted. So something, oh. went, horrib- something went horribly wrong. Yeah. So That's... That's a catastrophic failure. That's good. Yeah, I haven't had one of those in a while. Like a, like a good old-fashioned kernel panic. Yeah. I used to get those I, yeah. all the time. I don't know what happened, but the screen went all funny. Like HDMI was all messed up, and uh, then it just restarted. So, yeah. huh. Cool. Uh, what were we talking about? Customers for file inbox. Difficult for me to, like, like yeah, okay, a church was the most recent pro customer that had on file inbox. I don't know what to do with that information. Do I start targeting churches? Like, I think this is the first church I've ever had. Um yeah so that's that's my frustration uh and then you know this new thing we're talking about of selling to people sending files that's a that's a totally different market that's yeah i i I don't know what to do i just want mrr to be higher yeah but based on one customer i wouldn't like start targeting churches uh you could call them and be like hey uh saw you signed up what's going on Uh, yeah i mean 
put more effort into it than that but <laughs> basically talking to them and figuring yeah. it out um yeah if, if you're thinking about targeting people i would just think about whatever your tried and true biggest customers are like uh, n- most number of customers is what i'm saying um but it's very interesting that you got someone you know a type of customer you've never gotten before so you could try to talk to them that is interesting talking to customers very good advice i would like to be doing that more and i have rachel on a campaign to like get me like I'm, I'm gonna try to talk to every single one of my paying customers and like onboard them one by one on the on the new platform um okay cool I'll, I'll add that as another thing talk to every customer cool um next thing clips time marketing which i might be calling clip cut because i think that's what people are googling for that are like high intent looking for this sort of thing cool i had a really good customer call the other day where i was really working on narrowing down like what's the painful part of this process for you um the results if, if people could wave a magic wand who are these video producers oh and i have such a clear picture of who these people are it's like it's like mid-range content producers as people with a with a long-form podcast or a uh, a regular uh youtube show that they're doing and uh they're one person or a small team maybe like an assistant maybe an editor and they want to be churning out uh more of the clip style content that they can be syndicating on uh the different social media networks so that they can be amplifying the content they're already making because they really want more subscribers that's that's the whole game they want more watches they want more listens because then they can get sponsorships and uh they have a bigger audience I, I totally get it i i am one of these people i would love a bigger audience i, I would love to be like syndicating clips from the show so on this customer call i was asking like what's what's the pain point for you in this is it that like queuing up the clips is hard and managing all the different social media accounts and it was not that that was like the easiest part of the process is it that like uh you know uh uh finding the interesting clips is hard and the person i was talking to had an assistant who was doing that for really cheap and she was like no that that part's pretty easy but right now that person is sending her timestamps, just like in a in a word document of like here's an interesting clip and here's what i would title it and then uh this person had to the the content creator had to go through and like open up final cut pro mm. and clip out the the spots and then send that to their editor and then the editor would optimize it for social media uh and that opening up final cut pro and going to the time sets and clipping it out like that was the most painful part and because of that they weren't doing the entire thing and oh there's such beautiful phrases she was saying of like you know it's you know i i just dread doing this and i know i should be doing it and people are recommending that i do it and i've been wanting to do it for months but i just can't do it and like my brain was just lighting up I'm like oh yes <laughs> this is a great person to sell to uh so i think the mvp for that is just a tool that can really easily clip out video content from a web browser you you upload the whole thing and i've been so obsessed with this clipping uh based on transcript idea but i don't think that's actually important for the mvp that is something i'd like to be able to do but i think the primary interface like for for this to be a useful thing i think the only thing it has to do is upload videos and then clip it because then the output from the the extra assistant who's just looking for the interesting content the output is not a list of timestamps the output is actual video that then you can just send the video to your editor or tell your editor like take this video and, and format it um and then i think there would be a really natural progression of like uh uh taking over some of the features that subly is doing subly seems to be the market leader in the space of like once you have a clip uh it, it makes it easier to subtitle um and i think i could pretty easily make a better product than subly uh 
I say that now, it's going to bite me. <laughs> I'm sure it's like going to be have so a whole hard. team of people working on it. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, I can do it better. <laughs> it's my hubris showing. Uh, but, you know, if I think that would be the next step that, you know, from, from uh, making the clip, uh, you can then like optimize the clip. And then I think the next part would be automatically queuing it up so that it's one continuous flow. But I think I can, I think I can launch and have an MVP that I can start marketing with just a thing that just does clipping. And technically the back end of that is done. I know how to do that. That's a solved problem. I know how to upload videos. I know how to download videos from YouTube. I know how to use FFmpeg to do exact cuts on it. I think I need to just throw up a really simple interface that lets you cut videos and make accounts. And, uh, here's the question I have for you. I want a freemium product. I want something mm. that people can just use zero friction. You just go and, and I can drive Google ads to it of like people searching for how to clip stuff. Um, and I want them to be able to get provable value just doing that, that like they, they have some output from that. And then I want to charge them money to get the full output. And here are some variables I can play with. I can integrate timestamping into this. So maybe timestamping is the free product. I can watermark videos. I can uh, limit the resolution of videos. I could try to hide how to download the video, but I'd, I like there there are going to be ways around that. Um, and I think that's all. I think those are the variables I'm working with. Uh, what what are your thoughts? I mean, you could almost do all three of those. Um, first of all, I think this is great. The the marketing content almost writes itself. You know, do do you dread opening FileCut Pro to to make your video clips? No yes. longer, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm not a marketer. Every, every that was, that was terrible. It just feels so much <laughs> easier to me because I understand. I, like, I know who the customer is. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can write copy for them. I know where they hang out. I can like, oh, the, the marketing just feels so much easier because <laughs> yeah. I know who the customer is. Oh, yep, yes. Um, the uh, in terms of the freemium part, uh, I think uh, watermarks definitely make sense. Um, I okay. think like you can limit to 720p um, because you know, serious content creators will want to do 1080, um, or 4k. I don't know if you support 4k, but, uh, and then if it, if it's for clips, actually, I'm not sure. That's a hypothesis I'd like to test because certainly for I, social media, you don't need 4k. Yeah. Um, I think most social media is actually pretty okay with 720p, especially if it's a clip. I'm, yeah. This, okay. This, this is a question I have. Like what, what's the actual, I, I should be the expert here. I should know what the, what the optimal resolution yeah. is for each of the clips. Um, um and then you could make you could make timestamping free, and then clips cost money. I think that's totally fine too because, uh, yeah, anyone who uses timestamping may also want clips. Timestamping mm-hmm. is relatively inexpensive for you, although you have to do the the file upload, so that might you have to watch your costs on that, right? Because there's a way I can do it entirely in the browser, and that way mm-hmm. is just if you if you paste in a YouTube link, um, I can just be running off the the embedded YouTube video. Oh. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. And then you can make yeah. actual uploading and saving projects a paid feature. Right. I also have a really cheeky way to do clipping from a YouTube video URL, which is using YouTube DL and uh, getting a, a copy of the video. So like a flow that I could have is capture people who are trying to find a way to timestamp YouTube videos, drop them in a really easy interface where they just paste in the video and then they can do the timestamping and then, or that the chapter marking. Um, and then I can say, Hey, wouldn't you like to make some clips from this? And if they start making clips, then I start downloading the video in the background 
and then I actually start like rendering it and uploading it. But those clips are watermarked. And then I say, yeah. so maybe it's like, you know, you need to sign up for an account to do the clipping and then you need to pay me to not have these watermarked. Otherwise you can download the, the list of the uh, timestamps or something. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, you can use YouTube DL. Uh, you may want to watch out for like using that as a long-term uh, business, like for sure. key part of your business, yeah. because yeah. that might just stop working at any point. For sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, or your IP might get blocked or something. Um, yeah. It'd be but, funny because it's running on Firebase servers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be blocked. Like Google would be blocking their own IP addresses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all that sounds cool. So yeah, go, cool. that and go down that direction, I think. The, the risk of that is uh, mitigated a little bit because uh, one of my really good friends works for Google now. So I got oh, a guy boy. on the inside. <laughs> Not YouTube, though. I don't know anybody who works at YouTube. <laughs> um, I'm going to exploit the other, this for all I can. The, the, the other thing I was going to say is I think uh, making clips from transcripts is really interesting to you. And now it's technically possible. So that's why you're very interested in it. Um, but yeah. I don't think anyone thinks in that way because it wasn't possible until recently. So everyone yeah. thinks in timestamps. And so, yeah. yeah, I would for sure focus on timestamps. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what came out of the customer interview too. And I have two more customer interviews that were supposed to happen yesterday and today, but both of them rescheduled to next week <laughs> on the same day, like within an hour of each other. It was it was interesting. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll keep doing those. Um, I recently reread most of the mom test, so mm. I feel like I'm, I was primed to like do a really good user interview. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll keep doing that. I, I oh, I, I, I feel like I'm doing this correctly this time. Like, <laughs> I know who the audience is. I'm like doing user research. I have a semblance of marketing. I'm doing marketing at the same time as building the product. I'm really honing down what the what the core product needs to be to be able to do this. Um, yeah, cool. cool. And then like while I'm working on this, I'm just you know I did a bunch of keyword research on uh, SEMrush, and I know the things people are googling, and I know that like the volume of it is really good, and uh, I know what the competitors in the space are, and I'm not demoralized by looking at competitors. Competitors, I'm seeing them as like validation that this is a really good market to be entering, and if I can just differentiate myself to be the video editor specifically to get this job done, you're trying to make clips for social media. There's very few people in the space right now who are who are uh, uh, oriented towards that. I think I only found one competitor who's like actually trying to do this sort of thing. Uh, and then I found several people who were, uh, like agencies doing this where right. they cost five figures a month or something. Um, so all of that just feels really good. Cause it feels like validation that, okay, there's a market here. And if I can just get the word out to people that this is a thing that they can do and they should use my tool, uh, and capture them when they have the intent of trying to get it done. Uh, then, then I've got a business and I've got, <laughs> I've got traction. Uh, I got MRI going up. Uh, okay. Yeah. That feels good. That, that feels like the, the path forward is clear. Uh, any other thoughts on, uh, clips marketing or clip cut? If I change the name to that, uh, no clip cuts pretty good. If you can get the dot com, but, um, I can't get the dot com. I have the, I have the dot app. Hmm. I don't mm. know. Maybe you want to ask the, your, on your customer calls, ask how people feel about dot app domains. Yeah yeah that is that's that's the right answer okay i might play with that more and, and try to look for a dot com 
Next thing I'd like to talk about is something we've talked about a few times that I actually pushed forward this weekend uh, on Saturday and Sunday. I let myself just work on whatever I feel like working on. And Sarah and I had been talking about finances and finance tracking. And I was reminded that I really want a tree map view, uh, which is like a, a bunch of nested boxes where the size of the box is proportional to how big the thing is. I first found out about this type of graph from a, a really old app called Grand Perspective that shows you the file uses on, on your computer. And it's the best visualization for that sort of tool because there's like you, you want to know where your hard drive space is going. And there's two types of ways that hard drive space can be used. It can be one really big file, which is pretty easy to find if you're just sorting files by size, or it can be a bunch of small files in the same category which is, are gonna be very difficult to find uh, in any other way. But in this sort of visual representation, you can see really easily like, wow, you know, okay, I, uh, this is a huge file that was buried somewhere in my hard drive, so that, that, that I can just delete. And then also, oh, there's all these smaller system files for this application that I'm not using anymore, so I can just delete that whole folder. And now you have control of your hard drive space. I wanna do the same thing for finances because I think it's it's a direct analogy. Where did, where did my money go? It could either go towards like, a small number of really big purchases and those you probably have in your head already like you know how much those are but like visually seeing them and how they are proportional to, to other things that you're spending i think would be really useful um and then the second category is like a bunch of smaller expenses to see like oh my gosh i'm spending too much money on avocado toast and and starbucks coffee like uh it, it is only five dollars every time i buy the coffee but some days i buy it twice and i'm consistently buying it once per day and oh my gosh over the course of a month that's a significant amount of, amount of money uh and then over the course of a year, that's like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. So uh, that's the visualiz visualization that I want. We had talked in the past, very good advice that the the like money-making strategy of making this as a business is uh, integrating this with QuickBooks. Mm. And that's still something I want to do, but that's not at all what I worked on because I want to solve my own problem first. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, have been struggling with this integration with an app uh, a platform called Plaid. Uh, if you've ever done anything in financial yep. uh, app stuff, you, you click it and it's it's this really strange interface where like it's it's it just asks you for your bank username and password. And I'm like, this, how is this the way that we're doing this? Like, uh, but I found out that there's like some banks are transitioning to OAuth, which is fantastic. Um, so I was able to get a basic implementation of this done on their developer plan. Uh, you're able to authenticate a hundred accounts. And I was like, great. This is like Sarah and me between the two of us, we've got like five bank accounts. So this is going to be perfect. And I did the integration in their test sandbox and it worked great. I could import to Firebase and they have a really good syncing method and they have a really sane way of like exchanging tokens. And I understood all that and, and did all that. Uh, and then when I tried to do it with my own bank account, I was like, all right, here we go. My, my main bank is with this uh, major bank. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, you know, that's that's where my credit card is. So here we go. And I do it and it says, you need to update your app. And I'm like, what's this? So I Google the error and it says, ah, you actually, because this major bank uses OAuth, the only way to get OAuth access is if you have a production account. So I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so, uh, but I was able to, I was able to authenticate a bunch of the smaller banks. Uh, surprisingly Venmo uh, works with oh. this also. So I was able to just like import all my Venmo accounts and that was just magical when I was able to, to import all those. Uh, so now I'm waiting on a production account before I can like actually use this. Sarah's main expenses also come from one of these major banks. So uh, that's the status of that project. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully I'm able to get the production account just so I can use it. Uh, when I was filling out their form to get approved for a production account, it was asking me all sorts of questions of like, do you have 
uh, documented system for what to do in the case of a data breach. And I was like, ah, uh, no, <laughs> but also it's just me. So I'll feel like a lot of these questions don't apply. <laughs> and it was like, do you regularly scan for viruses with every employee at your company? And I was like, I guess, although I made, like I could install a virus scanner if you want me to do that. Uh, do you use two-factor authentication for all your different apps? I think so. Uh, yeah. Oh, is your data encrypted at rest was a fun one because I thought I would have to do something special for that. All right. We're, we're going to wrap up quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My computer uh, is freaking out, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, an interesting thing in doing this process that I found is that I'm thinking much more about marketing. I was thinking about like, ah, here's a tweet that I could do to, to uh, engage customers. And then I tweeted it out. And I was thinking about the Google ads I could do and the the marketing that I could do and like I could have a Google ad uh, targeting people who are Googling for you need a budget and the, the headline could be you don't need a budget uh, instead you need to just see how you've already spent your money um, so I think my question is like knowing that I that I need to start with the personal finance side of this how would you be thinking about it as a product um, I wouldn't right now uh, okay. this is just me but I would solve your problem first so yeah you have problems with plaid fix those you have yep. uh, can't in, in integrate all your accounts yet fix that uh, make sure it's useful for you um, and while you're doing that you can finish your file inbox uh, transition you can do this clip step marketing thing um, and then I think you'll know a lot more about how you, you use it and how other people might use it so Cool. I guess that's what I would say. Solve your solve your own problem for now. Don't think about it as a product yet. Cool. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. One more thing. I'm building a sauna with my brother-in-law. Oh, fun. nice. Like we in your house? We got a chainsaw yesterday. Uh, in his backyard, because he has a okay. backyard. Right. Yeah. We're uh, hunting for cedar trees in the area that we can just oh. like take down. And we drove out yesterday. And just like <laughs> some dude on Craigslist was like, yeah, I got these cedar trees. You can take if you want. Yeah, we, uh, chainsawed them down and loaded them up in his truck, and we're going out again today to get more cedar. That's cool. Yeah. So when I was doing woodworking, uh, like good wood is really expensive, but if you ha own a chainsaw mill, then uh, you can either offer to like cut down people's trees for them. Like some people just want trees down, and if you say I'll do it for free, they're like yeah. Uh, or you can go on, and oftentimes people will be like, you know, this, you know, this giant walnut tree fell in my yard, and I need it gone. Who, how, who can I call or whatever? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can get like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of uh, wood for free just by doing the work so that's cool yeah yeah are you gonna mill up the the lumber or are you making it like we're like using gonna... it's, it's a method of construction i'd never heard before called core wood construction where hmm. you use logs as bricks so oh. you just cut the pieces of wood to be the thickness of the wall which is going to be like eight to eight to twelve inches and then you mortar them in place interesting yeah well, that's cool yeah. yeah yeah and then you you like just need a hand chainsaw to to be able to prepare yeah. the wood for this so i thought that was cool